What fulfills you? What fulfills you? More likes, more money, more stuff, more. I think we don't know. A lot of times we go through life, we don't know. We go through our day, we don't really know. So we opt for more. We, we put quantity over quality. We seek results at the expense of relationships. But fortunately, there's kind of a check engine light with you and with me that puts limits on our pursuit of more. There's a check engine light. In terms of your, your diet, your exercise, your sleep. We have systems that are built in here, that, in, into your body, that, that help you regulate. And sometimes we, we ignore them. We ignore them at the peril, eventually, of ourselves. Sometimes uh, the check engine light isn't really working in terms of our relationships, however. And so it's important that we learn that if you're going to grow spiritually, you have to understand that there are some physical parts of your spiritual growth. There, there, there's an aspect of growing f- spiritually that manifests itself physically. In other words, if you're not paying attention to what your body is saying, the messages that your body is saying to you, you're going to be stuck spiritually. You're going to, you're going to stop growing spiritually. And, and, and the main reason is, is that when, when we ignore those you know, check engine light messages on the dashboard about us physically, that there are there are problems that we create with our relationships around us. And those relationships govern the limit of our growth, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, psychologically. Our relationships put the ceiling on our spiritual growth. And so we have to learn how to pay attention to what physical signs are showing up, especially in certain seasons that stretch us out. The Lord obviously wants us to grow spiritually. And he obviously wants us to recognize that relationships are part and parcel of our spiritual growth, all right? So he wants us to grow spiritually. Think of it as this top layer. He wants us to grow relationally. Think of it as that layer. He wants us to recognize that physically we have messages coming to us that are telling us Your check engine light is on. Pay attention to the messages because it affects relationships. Uh, After I graduated from college, some uh, my my five closest friends, we've remained close, and we we continue to get together every year, once or twice a year. We stay in touch. We got a group text. Somebody's always poking somebody about something. But right after we graduated from from college, we went around the, the country from ballpark to ballpark. Now, this is a big sacrifice for me because I'm not a baseball fan. You know, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a different sport, but we won't bring that up. All right, I brought it up. But we went ballpark to ballpark, even though baseball is tedious to me. I learned to appreciate it a little bit, but, but 
I think our relationships, our friendships, our lifetime friendships, although we were together throughout the course of four years, were forged by being in a van together for a month. <laughs> you have to work it out because there's only one mode of transportation, right? You're going to go buy a plane ticket or you're going to work it out. Now, so one night we were playing spades and uh, I haven't... I didn't played before. I haven't played since. We stayed up half the night playing spades. And so we had different teams, and uh, my team was like, I don't know, 100 points ahead or something. And by the way, we're keeping score of everything the, the entire month, right? And so, like, who's going to win this whole thing? We were paired off, and anyway, I won't go into that. But So anyway, so, so uh, that, that we took a break. And um, we came back to the table to continue to play spades. And we, my team went from being 100 points up to losing, losing the game. The next morning, it came out that the, the team, the other team that we were playing, had stacked the deck. I mean, they stacked the whole deck, and they wiped us out. And... Um, Everybody who wasn't on their paired team was pretty irritated about it. But we worked through it. And as a result, not just because of that trivial event, but, but it illustrates the point that God has called us into relationships to persevere in them, to push through them. And there are things that we're doing in our daily lives. There are routines that we have or the lack of routine. There's a good night's sleep that we had or the lack of good night's sleep that affects our capacity to persevere through those difficult relationships. And so today, let's, as we turn to the scriptures, I, I, I hope you're beginning to get a sense of desire to see how your physical life affects your relationships and therefore affects your spiritual walk. How intentionally can the physical life, our physical life, support our spiritual life? From the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, so run. So run, or run in such a way that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray together. God, guide us now not only to understand your word, but to receive it fully and well. Not just that our minds would get it, but that our hearts would believe it 
and that our hands would live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a misunderstanding about leprosy in the Bible. Uh, Leprosy, the way that people understood leprosy in biblical times sort of translates even into modern day uh, perception of what leprosy is and isn't. Leprosy is a disease that begins to affect your nerves so you don't feel when you bump into things, right? I mean, just imagine if you couldn't feel the hammer on the thumb and just what you would do to your body if you couldn't feel pain. Pain is important. Pain helps us understand our limits. Pain is like the check engine light on your life that says pay attention. What couple of messages do we need to hear out of this passage that will help us in our physical life that we will relate better and grow spiritually? First message is this. Stop. I need rest. (laughs) I've, I've told you before, for some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do is get a good night's sleep. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is stop and rest. It's no accident that at the end of the six-day creation, on the seventh day, God rested. It wasn't that he was tired, but it was to demonstrate that there is something at the center of, of creation that says, take a deep breath, be at peace, rest, trust. I love the commercials about the, uh, the Snicker bar when, when, you, you know, when you're hungry, you're not yourself, right? You know, the, the, the guy who's out there, at the, the team is out there, and they're playing football in the mud, and, uh, and, and, and here, comes, here comes Betty White. <laughs> she, comes to the, she comes to the huddle, and, uh, and the quarterback says to her, man, what's wrong with you? You're playing like Betty White out there, you know? And then he eats a little bite of a Snicker bar and turns back into a, you know, rugged young guy. So too with rest. We're not ourselves when we're tired, when we're worn out. And don't you believe, don't you believe that it affects the way you relate? Paul says in verse 24, he says, Don't you know that that, uh, in a race all runners run, but only one runs to receive the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. A lot of times you think, okay, he's talking about a, a spiritual race. Okay, let's go. Let's run as fast as we can. Let's sprint. Let's get there ahead of everybody else. That's not the point. The point is run in such a way. What does that mean? Pace yourself. You see, at the heart of pace is peace. At the heart of rest is trust. And so if if you're running as fast as you can, it's probably a kind of check engine light that's saying, where's your trust? Where's your rest? Where's your peace? If you have no margin to rest, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, where's your pace? Where's your trust? You know, Patrick Reed, who won the Masters this past uh, April, I love watching him play. I, I always wonder when, when someone's ahead like that in a, in a golf tournament, are they going to be able to uh, maintain that? 
the pressure that's on. And, and, and to think that someone who's 27 years old with a, an $11 million purse and, and thinking of all those people watching him and thinking what's at stake and, maybe, and, and his, first, his first major championship on the line, all of that pressure, is he going to be able to complete his final round, those final four holes? He could blow it on the last hole. And it's always amazing to me. I love watching these folks, and I love watching the calm. And I know there's a lot of muscle memory, and I know there's a lot of practice behind it, and I know there's a lot of early hours, late hours. But in that moment, a golfer has to find that that center place of trust and peace and rest. Because you can't make yourself hit a good golf shot. Trust me. <laughs> Some more than others, right? But you can trust. You can step up to the ball, and you can just release. And trust and rest. You see, at the heart of all your effort at the heart of everything you want to do, at, at the heart of all the results you want to see in your life must be a place of rest and trust. Run in such a way. Pace yourself. For some of you, your check engine light is on and it's saying, I need rest. Second, I need routine or rhythm. Now, I didn't want to say uh, uh, you need rest and rhythm because I kept thinking if I said rhythm, then you'd start singing that song. I got rhythm. I got music. Who could ask for anything more? So I just told it to you. So let's move on. Rhythm. You need rhythm. You need routine. Because to, to bring routine into your life, to create, you have to create it. When, when, when God spun the planets, when he put us in, into uh, creation and over creation, part of what the mandate was to us as vice regents of his creation, as stewards, is to create order, even as he has. It's an orderly universe. The more we look into it, the more powerfully orderly it is, the more uh, precise it is. People used to think that the atom was the, the end. It was just like, that, that, that's it. And then they discovered this incredibly powerful, stable, but it could be atom bomb unstable power within the atom. The point is this. We're called to a powerful place of, of, of order, that we're, we're called to create order in the same way that, that he has created order for us. We're called to build on that order. That, that's why, you know, I use the word kingdom work so much because kingdom work is simply creating order that reflects the glory of God, that, that creates more of what he originally intended for us uh, uh, as, as human beings to live within. And so to create routine in your week is to create order. You can see Verse 25 and 26, it says this. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. 
I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. So he's, he's using a, pl- a play on word. Some, some translations say, I buffet my body or I box my body. I don't just box the air. My aim is to bring order to myself, to my life through discipline. You see? There's a certain order that we must create in order to thrive. I love Brian Regan's little uh, uh, shtick on, on Pop-Tarts. He talks about that there are, two different, there are two different instructions for how to prepare a Pop-Tart. One is, uh, is uh, on, uh, on the box says, you know, you can put it into a toaster. And, there, and he says, can you believe this? There are actually three steps. That they, <laughs> I mean, you, you, if you follow along, you, you, can, you can learn to prepare a, a Pop-Tart in, in, in a toaster, you know, by, by just following the directions on the box. And he makes a big deal of the fact that do we really need these directions? But then he goes on, he says, he says there, if you can't follow those three steps, there's a, you can abandon that whole track and you can go for the microwave, right? And, and he says, you know, what, what does it take to microwave? You know, three seconds, three seconds. And he says, you know, if, if you have to zap fry your Pop-Tart in order to get on with your day, you may be booking yourself too tight, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. But that, 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 that's a little bit uh, how we operate, though, isn't it? I mean, we laugh at it, but we're trying to squeeze everything into a day. We are. We let our day get so packed and disorderly. We need to have a certain discipline to create order. Why do people get up at chicken 30 to, to exercise? Why do they get up at chicken 30? The, the, the reason is not because they, their physique. I guarantee you, most of the people would, would give up, but people who get up early are trying to bring order to their minds. They're trying to bring peace and rest and order first to their minds. I buffet my body. Why? Paul has great insight here. He's not talking about having, you know, perfectly chiseled abs here in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. <laughs> He's talking about the discipline to bring an orderliness to your, to your mental health. You see, healthy people create order. And healthy people, as a result, relate better to one another. You know, I'm giving you these practical things throughout this series. And, and this week's practical uh, tip is about your ideal week. Your ideal week. Do you have an ideal week? What, what's an ideal week? Well, an ideal week is something that you map out. You plan on paper. It says, look, if I could just live my life according to this rhythm, this routine, wouldn't that be perfect? Now, warning, you're never going to do it, all right? It's never going to happen. Your ideal, maybe, maybe uh, lightning will strike and one week will be just as you planned it, but I highly doubt it. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't aim for it because in aiming for it, every week, you get closer than you would have and you get better at being in rhythm, being in routine. The Puritans called this having a rule of life. Having a rule of life. This kind of order is incumbent upon us to create. Don't expect the world to respect your boundaries. 
Don't expect the world to understand when, uh, you know, when the, the open for business sign is on, right? Don't expect the world to do it for you. You have to do it. And, and here's the tough thing. God places in our life several different kinds of people, and we need to be able to relate well to all of them because we're called into relationship. Gordon MacDonald talks about this, and I, I think th- this is the heart of the message here, is learning to have the self-discipline physically so that you can engage each of these kinds of people on the level where they need to be met and continue to maintain the order that you need to have for your own life. First is very important people, VIPs. We know what that is, right? Very important people. They're people in your circle. You know, Jesus had, uh, had Peter, James, and John. Those were his VIPs, the, his inner circle, the people he spent most of his time with, Right? Very important people. Then there are very resourceful people, VRPs. You have very resourceful people. The people around you that, that, that aren't necessarily the people that you share everything with, but they're people that are, so, that, that are equally important in, in other ways, that, 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 that are on your, your page, that are in your corner. And you need to know how to engage those people and, and receive them well and, and know that they mean well. You know, even, e- even if it doesn't always seem like they mean well, they're holding you accountable. They're very resourceful people. Uh, they're, they're also very teachable people. They're very trainable people. They're, they're people that, that you're called to pour your life into, people you're called to invest in, right? And, and if you need a Snickers, you need a, a, a night's rest, or you're not in the routine, are you going to have the bandwidth to invest in the other people around you that need you? You're called. You have gifts, You have aims, you have goals. Are you just looking for results that you can measure? See, this is a way to keep people over task rather than task over people. People over task rather than task over people. One of the things I remind myself, I remind our teams around here, is that we're not using people to build programs. We're using programs to build people. So too with you. You don't use people in your life. To complete tasks, you use tasks to help complete people. That's part of our call. Very trainable people, people in your life that you're called to invest in. They're very nice people. They're people that will, will, will uh, not, not oppose you and not push back against you, but they're, they're not, necessi- they're not necessarily going to catch fire with the sparks that, that you're sending. They're not necessarily going to, to light on fire with the passion that you have. And so you need to know the difference between the people that you really need to invest in and the people that are just nice. I mean, they're nice, they're, they're fine, they're, they're neutral towards what you're doing, they're around there, but you have to be able to distinguish so that, that, that you bring order to your life, that you're, you're being a good steward of your time. You see the contrast here. Very teachable, trainable people, very nice people. And then there are VDPs. You know, so we've gone through VIPs, VRPs, VTPs, VNPs now, VDPs, those are very draining people. These are people that, and sometimes, sometimes it's me to you, right? All right, so don't, don't think I'm standing up here that I'm at 100% on this. I'm somewhere between zero and 100%, and I'm telling you, during the month of May, I've kind of hinted at this, during the month of May, I'm a little towards zero than I was in April than I was at 100. How about you? 
Are you resting? Are you creating order? Are you draining people because of the way that you're living? Have you ever sat down and created an ideal week? Have you ever sat down and said, I'd love to do a lunch a week with, with somebody who doesn't, doesn't, know, doesn't know Christ? Is that one of your priorities? I'd love to have a, a lunch or a breakfast with somebody who's, who's a, a VTP, a very teachable trainer, somebody that I'm investing in, or every other week. Whatever the rhythm is for you, choose it. Or you will be chosen, right? Choose or be chosen. The week before, are you thinking, what's the next week going to be like? Can I create an ideal for my week? You see, some of us are really bad. I, I, I was not born being good at planning my week. I was born being bad at planning my week. I've had to work and work and work and work at this in order to achieve the kinds of priorities that I want to achieve with my life. You see, what, what Paul is saying here is that you and I are made in a particular way to have particular strengths. Not just for ourselves, but to lend those strengths. And so if you steward your time for rest, if you steward your life for its ideal, building in the right kind of diet, the time to have good meals, right? Now, why am I talking about this? This is practical stuff. You know, a psychologist, if he's sitting down with somebody who says they're depressed, the first thing a good psychologist is going to say is, how's your sleep? How's your diet? How's your exercise? Come back until, you know, don't, don't expect me to prescribe anything for you until you get those things right. Don't expect that we're going to make any headway in what you're wrestling with, what's draining you until you get those things right. And so... Spend some time, I would challenge you, spend some time, sit down with a piece of paper and think about morning, afternoon, and evening during those five-day chunks, morning, afternoon, and evening, right? You have 15 of them. And, and just start there. Start with a simple morning, afternoon, and evening. And think of, of the priorities that you have and where you want to invest your time. Think of the lunches that you have or the breakfast that you could have. You think, well, I've got young children. How do I find time for people in my life like that, Tim? I don't, you know, I'm supposed to get a babysitter. Well, there, there are ways to do it. There, there, there are creative ways when you sit down and plan it out. You can let somebody know. Maybe there's somebody in your, maybe there's a mother, uh, you know, maybe there's a grandmother who might be able to come over early in the morning. She's an early riser. She might as well come and spend time with, with your kids so that you can get out the door. And go spend time with somebody that's one of your, your uh, VTPs. That even though you're in a season of life where you're feeling drained and you're feeling needy and you want other people to pour into you, that you're not going to grow spiritually. You're not going to grow out of that season until you become more intentional as a steward bringing order to your life. An ideal week. What would yours look like? You see, we're called to lend our strength. I want to give you this great little quotation. First of all, just to, 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 to recognize that this works on a world scale too. I remember in the 1980s when everybody was worried about the, the escalation of, of nuclear weapons. 
And, and everybody thought that it was, it was, it was such a mistake to, to, to pursue a peace through strength. Peace through strength. I love that. You see, when you're strong, when you're strong, you have the bandwidth, you have the margin, you have the wherewithal, you have the energy to receive all those different kinds of people that are coming across your path every day very, very well. See, it comes down to this. As Evelyn Underhill put it, she said this. She said, we mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs, want, to want, to have, and to do. To want, to have, and to do. Craving, clutching, fussing on the material, political, social, emotional, intellectual, even the religious plane. We're kept in perpetual unrest, forgetting that none of these verbs have any ultimate significance except so far as they are transcended by and including, included in the fundamental verb. What is that verb? Can you think of what it is? All of these things, in other words, she's saying all these things are meaningless un unless and until and to the extent that they are, they are part and parcel of to be, to be. And that being, not wanting, not having, and not doing, is the essence of spiritual life. Consider your ideal week. Consider the rest that you need. Consider the margin you need to create. In order to have your cup of strength filled, there's some responsibility that you have to make that happen. Let's pray together. Holy God, how we thank you that you've laid out so clearly before us that we're spiritual beings through and through. The spiritual life and the life of the Spirit is not some ethereal thing, some, some less than real thing. But it makes its way all the way into our muscles, all the way into our diets and exercise all the way into our rest. God, your word tells us the Lord grants sleep to those whom he loves. May we know your love. May we be at peace and trust in it that we may have rest.